Well, this is always the interesting Sunday in the life of the church. It's right after Christmas, uh, and then it's, you know, right before New Year's, and so it's this interesting time, and we just finished our series um, as we looked at God's presence and the, the great gift that was to us, um, the, the present of his presence, and so we we're looking at that over the last few weeks and how that changes everything, um, and then we're looking at where we're headed, and I'll talk about that in a few moments, but Today, I just kind of want to pause, and I was thinking about my own life over the last few days and weeks, and kind of just reflecting where I'm at and where I've been as a, as a family and just as an individual, and I thought, there's some things that are some core values of my life, um, some things that I, I often want to pay attention to, and so I just want to share those things with you. I, I think these are things for all of us. Um, I think these are things that if we implement them, this isn't one of those messages of how to have the best 2019. Um, this is a message about... Uh, what it looks like, this, this guide maybe, to having an effective life, of having a life maybe that God would want for us. And this is a great time for us to do that, right? We like these fresh starts. We like getting the new calendar, the new insert for our calendar. We like the idea of starting new, right? We, we see that. You've, you've maybe already been thinking resolutions. You're, you're trying to figure out, okay, what are those things that I want to do in my life? And I would say these aren't even resolutions, um, if you're like me, I get resolutions in about two or three weeks, and then they end, and I think there's some reasons for that, and so what would it look like? I think one of the best things you can do today, tomorrow, Tuesday, even before this new year begins, is just to begin to evaluate your life. Just, just stop and kind of ask yourself how the last year has been, the last two years, evaluate what's going on, and have a realistic view of where you're at. Uh, uh, one of our young guys here, uh, Nick, he wanted to uh, do a fundraiser last year, and, and so we did a seven-on-seven football game, um, and we do it for Empower North County, our compassionate ministry. And so uh, last year we played, this year we played, and, and I'm just realizing that I'm not as young as I used to be. Um, I don't feel old, but I feel old today after playing yesterday. And, and when I get out there, I have this mindset. I, I played a little bit of, of football in the day, and so I have this mindset of what I can do and what I should be able to do, but it's not the same anymore, right? I, I have to have a realistic expectation of what I'm able to do. And I promise I'm, I'm feeling that this morning. And so I think for you, for you, let's just be honest, right? Just take an honest look at, at where you're at evaluate your life. One of the, the things that I know for myself is sometimes I'll have these warning signs that go off, right? I'll feel something, whether it's relational or spiritual, if it's just personal. You begin to kind of catch these warning signs, but we often push them away. It's, it's the dashboard, right? It's, it's when you're driving and you have the check engine light come on and you think, eh, it's probably nothing. You, you have the, the sensor that says that your, your tires are low and you think, ah, it'll be okay. Or if anyone plays the game of low gas and how far you can get, right? We don't, we don't pay attention to those things in our car, and we don't often pay attention to those things on our heart and our mind. Things begin to happen, and we just kind of think, ah, I'm not going to pay attention to that. But I think for us to really grow, for us to see really change in our life, we really have to kind of begin to pay attention to those warnings that maybe have been going off or are going off or will go off. And so as I think about resolutions and things that we want to do different and we want to see different in our life, often they kind of get hung up in the idea stage. Like we know what we should do. We, we know the things that we probably need to change in our life. 
uh, but they often fail because there's no action that goes along with it. It's just an idea. It's an observation. It's a discussion. Actually, Jesus in Mark 1.15 says the time has come. This word time is not chronos, like TikTok time. It's kairos, which means crisis or opportunity. And Jesus comes, and one of the first things he says is, the time has come. And he's saying, now is the opportunity, now is the moment. The kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus, because he has come, because his presence is here, he says it's almost as if you could reach out and and touch heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And then he says two things. He says, repent and believe. If you grew up in the church, repent might be one of those phrases that kind of makes you begin to stir a little. Uh, Maybe there's been this uh, aggressive or even abuse of this word of repent. Um, Repent really just means to begin to think differently about something. So Jesus is saying, you have thought one way about the kingdom of heaven. You have thought one way about God, now is the time, the opportunity to begin to think differently about your life and about God. And then he says, and believe. So we have often thought of repent as an action and believe as something internal, but that's not the case. Jesus is saying, repent, think differently, and then believe in such a way that it leads to action, that your life begins to to look different. And so this morning, that is our goal. Repent is the question, God, what are you saying to me? And the belief is, okay, what am I going to do about it? And so as I share these ideas, these things that I'm working through personally, and I would encourage you as well, um, this isn't necessarily, again, just about the next six months or nine months or a year, uh, but these are practical things I believe that would impact not only your life, but your family, a community. Uh, I, I really believe that. And so five things. Uh, the first one is I'm going to encourage you to rest and work hard. To rest and work hard. Uh, these two ideas are actually really closely connected. Um, but we often err with this. Uh, we often go one way or another. Uh, many of us work really, really, really hard. And then there's these things that will say like, man, if I can just get to Saturday. Uh, if I can just get to, you fill in the blank. If I could just get to the, the, the next long break, if I could just get to vacation. So we work really, really hard, but we haven't found a way to find rest in the midst of working really, really hard. Or maybe you're really good at the rest part. Uh, maybe there hasn't really been much passion to your life lately. Uh, maybe you don't sense like there's an, import, an importance to what you do. And so you'd rather just stay on the side of rest and haven't paid much attention to the work hard side. Uh, Jesus actually talks about this. John 15, 1 through 8. I quickly referenced this a couple of weeks ago. I want to read it again. John 15, 1 through 8, it says this. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So just really quickly. There's this idea, if there's things that are not producing anything good in our lives, then God is trying to get rid of it. If there's choices or decisions or lifestyles that are, that's not producing good, then, then, then Jesus, the gardener, God, is trying to get rid of it. But then it says, even some of those things that bear fruit, there's some good things going on in your life. Still, there is this pruning. There is this cutting back. There are these seasons where you cut back for future growth and he's saying he does both so that it will be even more fruitful 
Verse 3, it says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, I I just pulled this off of a a wreath, and uh, this at one point was alive, but because it has been disconnected to what gives it life, it's dead. And if you, if you have a real tree or if you have any sort of garland, you'll, you'll see it all over, right? Because there is this thing that happens when things die. It, quit, it's quitting, it quits producing the things that are needed to be alive. There's no fruit that comes from it because there is no connection. There, there is no supplements. There is nothing going into this. And so it is dead. And so Jesus is saying, look, if you want to produce something in your life, something that matters, something of significance, then you stay connected to the vine. Remain is this word abide or to stay or to remain cl- closely connected. And so Jesus is saying, look, there should be something that is produced in your life. Remain in God. There's going to be this fruit that is produced, something that is produced in your work and that you're going to work hard. But this remain is this idea that we stay closely connected to God and we rest. We find rest. And there's this balance. And we've not always done a really good job with the balance. If you think of it as a pendulum, often we swing to the side of working really, really hard. And eventually, sometimes really without us deciding whether it's sickness, we we come back and we're forced to rest. But what would it look like? What would it look like if we work out of our rest? that we work out of our connection with God. We, we work out of this understanding of who God has created us to be. And we see this in the life of Jesus. Uh, listen to this. This is an interesting story that we find in the life of Jesus. Uh, it's found in Luke 5. It won't be on the screen. Uh, Luke 5, verse 12, it says this. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So we see the life of Jesus, that something is going out of him, that it is changing people's lives. And then verse 14, it says, Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Don't don't let anyone know what I'm doing. Enjoy the blessing. Go and participate in a place that you were unable to do because of your leprosy. Just go and enjoy it, says verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds and people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Yeah. Like, can you imagine you've known this person who's had leprosy? You could have nothing to do with them. Their skin is falling off. And then all of a sudden, in a moment, they're healed and clean. And then you hear about Jesus doing it. Uh, I'd want to be near Jesus. But then we, we see the response of Jesus. It says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So Jesus didn't heal everybody? Like, Jesus knows that people are coming and pressing in around him and desiring something, and, and Jesus leaves? Why is that? I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking, and this is just my thought. My thought is that, that Jesus understood the work that took place in healing people. Like, Jesus was fully human, 
fully God, fully human. And so he felt that with people. He felt the pain that people felt. And he, he walked with people through that. And I think Jesus knew that he had to stay connected to the Father. That he just knew that long-term, the best thing that would be for everybody is for him to withdraw to lonely places and to pray. There were times the disciples are trying to find Jesus, and Jesus is off by himself praying. I think if Jesus needed this, I probably do also. If Jesus understood that the life that would, the fruit that would come from his life would come out of the connection with God, then I do as well. And so the, the question for you is, can you rest? Can you withdraw? Can you separate yourself from work? Can you see that it's through that connection with God that maybe you would be able to produce even more fruit in your life. And so the one thing I'm paying attention to this year for me, and I would encourage you to do as well, is just reading Scripture. Um, and this is where you have to have a realistic idea of where you're at. And so maybe you're new to the idea of the Bible, maybe you haven't really spent much time to reading the Bible on your own. It would be great if you read the Bible this year but just have realistic expectations. Maybe a scripture a day is where you start, right? If you don't have the, the Bible app U version, I would encourage you to download that on your, on your smartphone. Every day, it will give you a scripture. Just start by reading that. Uh, my, my, my young, my kids, my teenagers, uh, if you have a smartphone or any device, it has reading for you as a kid. Like, if you start that at a young age, this idea of connecting daily with God, and you see that as important as even a young kid, it will make a difference in your life long term. Uh, maybe you've, you've done that. Maybe you need to move on, and maybe it's more of devotional or journey, journaling, or maybe you want to commit to reading a book of the Bible through, or, or maybe for you, you've never read the Bible in a year. Uh, that is my commitment. I've never done that. I've never sat down and said, okay, in the next year, I'm just going to read the Bible. And so that, that's what I'm going to hopefully journey through uh, this year is to, to work through that. So what would it be for you? How would you remain connected on your own? This is great that you're here and you hear scripture when you're here with us. But what would it look like in your own life if you were to connect with God daily? And then out of that connection you, and that rest, you begin to ask God, okay, God, what are you saying to me and what am I going to do about it? And then you work really hard at whatever it is that you do. Like you give yourself completely. When you're supposed to, you give yourself completely to your job. And you work as hard as possible. There's a few reasons why I think that's important. One, as we look at our work, uh, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and how God sees you defines who you are. Right? Not your work. I want you to work really, really hard, but it doesn't define who you are. The good news is that God defines who you are. He gives you your identity. So not your bank account, not a promotion, not if you had the most sales last month, not the pats on your back. None, none, of, that, none of that really defines you. Um, the, the words of God about you define you. And this keeps us from doing a couple of things. So you're going to work really hard, but because you've stayed connected, because you've been resting in God, when things go really, really well for you, because you've remained connected to God, it will keep you from being puffed up. It will, it will keep you from thinking too highly of yourself. But it also keeps you hopeful in times of adversity and struggles. A lack of work, things going poorly at your job, 
Those things, just like the good side, can often define you. But if you have stayed connected and you have found your rest in God, then you're able to deal with both of those things. And so as the gospel defines who you are and you see you have a purpose behind what you do, you begin to see your work differently. Paul, who, who became a follower of Jesus after hating Christians and persecuting Christians, he begins to follow Jesus. He helps other people follow Jesus, and he would write back to them. And he would write them this letter, these letters and so he wrote this letter in Colossians 3, 23, 24. It says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so as you begin to see that, your faith begins to shape your why. Your faith begins to shape the why you do what you do. And so if you're a nurse, work as hard as possible at being a nurse. If you're a teacher, work at being a teacher as hard as you possibly can. If you manage people, if you're in sales, if you're a family manager, if you're a, uh, someone who stays home and, and takes care of your household, do the best that you possibly can. If you make movies or take pictures or produce music, all of that, do as hard as you possibly can. But know your why behind it. Why are you doing it? I think when we know our why, then our what matters even more. There's a comedian, Michael Jr., he says this, when you know your why, your, be, your what becomes more clear and impactful. So whatever you're doing, there's a why behind it. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it to change kids' lives? Is it when you go into a home to fix something that you have a presence to you, that you're full of joy and hope as you interact with people, as you are in sales and you manage people? Is it more about building relationships than just making a sale and pouring into people's lives? What, what is it? What is the why behind what you do? I want you to work really hard this year. I'm going to work really, really hard this year because I know my why. But I'm also going to learn to rest better. I'm going to understand that my life will have more fruit if I stay connected to the vine, and I hope you will as well. The second thing I'm going to encourage you to do is that you would follow the example of Jesus and serve. That you would serve somewhere, you would serve someone. Uh, Jesus, in the last moments, really, of his life, in the last moments with his disciples, he kind of has this last uh, teaching moment. And they're around, and they're having a meal, and after the meal, Jesus gets up, and he wraps a towel around his waist, and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, in that day, they would have wore sandals, and they would have walked these disgusting roads, and you can only imagine what they would walk through. And so, as you would enter into a home, they would often provide you a bowl of water and a towel. I mean, it was kind and generous to say, hey, here's a way to wash your feet. Rarely ever would they ask someone else to do that. Rarely ever would they ask a maidservant or someone to sit with a bowl of water and wash someone's feet, because... It would be the lowest of lows. And then Jesus does it. Jesus says, look, I, I know that you don't understand what's taking place right now. But I want to point to a picture of who I am. I have come to serve you, to love you deeply. And so he does. He takes a, a towel and he begins to go to his disciples' feet and he washes their feet. And then, if you look in uh, John 13, verse 14 and 15, he says this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, the king of your life, the one who you are following completely, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus is saying your life should be a life of serving one another, of giving yourself to help other people. And this isn't just an every once in a while. So I'm really not just asking you to like sign up for something. I'm not saying here's all these opportunities, here's a way to sign up to serve here at Trinity. There's options for that. But really what I'm saying is, what if you just gave your life to serve others? And it goes back to work, right? Whatever you do as a job, there are opportunities to serve other people. And so this year, if you don't, if you're not yet, would you volunteer somewhere? Not, you don't even have to volunteer. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we would love for you to participate. There's an invitation for you to participate. But our community needs you. There are people around us that need you. There are nursing homes that you could go and just sit and be with someone. Uh, There are schools where little kids need you to come in and read with them, have lunch with them, spend time with them. There are all kinds of opportunities for you to serve others. And so would you just make a commitment to volunteer somewhere, to give yourself to someone else, to place others first. Now, this is a daily thing, that you would place others before you. So if you live with other people, what would it look like for you to place their needs before your own? That you would help accomplish what needs to be done in your house. That you would let someone else go before you. That you would give others credit when they have done well. What would it look like just to daily put others first? That you would make room in your life. This goes back to the rest side. That you would just make room in your life to give yourself to other people. And then this one is, is big for me. Would you just take a chance? I think there's some of you who have had this feeling of doing something, whether it's here at Trinity or in our community, that you've seen a need and you felt like maybe God was stirring in your heart, but you just didn't do it and you're afraid. You, you don't know what could happen. You don't, you don't know if it would go well. You may fail, but so you just don't do anything. When my wife and I got married, uh, we honeymooned in Jamaica and uh, thanks to parents, and so we went to Jamaica, and they offered free scuba diving, and so I just have to tell you, I'm not a great swimmer, and uh, I still am not a great swimmer, and I really can't hold my breath underwater, and so I thought that shouldn't be a problem, right? I'm going to have a mask and a scuba tank. I don't really need to hold my breath underwater, and so you have to go through this training. If you've ever done this, you, you know what this looks like. You You go into the water with a mask and a tank, and everything is good, and then they make you take your mask off. Right? They, ma- they make you pull it off and then put it back on and clear the water out. And so we're in this pool with all of these other people. And as we go down into the water, they give the signal for everyone to do it. Everyone does it. They put it back on and clear it. And the next thing I know, I'm back at the top of the water. Because right? I, I simply can't do it. I can't do it. And I know in those moments, I'm thinking, uh, my wife is going scuba diving without me uh, on our honeymoon. I'm not going to be able to do it. And it had been really easy in that moment to give up. And we give up too quick. You have given up on something, I know. Some of you have felt like God is saying something to you. And maybe you've given up on it just because it was hard. And so I I say, okay, I'm going to make this happen. And I go down and, and everyone else had went off and they're kind of swimming around the pool. And I have the instructor with me and, and they make me do it again. And I finally did it. I'm like, all right, yeah. And he's like, again. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing it again. And, and so they make you do it again, and they make you go through this process. And, and I'm so thankful that I committed, and I didn't give up. 
Because I, I remember that. I remember my wife and I going and scuba diving and being together in that moment. I didn't give up. But I've given up on things. You've given up on things. Passions, callings that God has put on your life. Would, would, you, would you not give up? Whatever way you feel like God is asking you to serve someone. Maybe it's a neighbor. You've felt that urge to go and knock on their door and see if you could do anything for them. And you've been afraid and you haven't done it. Would you do it? Would you just trust that if God is asking you to do something, then he will help you accomplish it? And then as you think about serving someone, I want to just really, really quickly talk about investing in a younger generation. If you're not doing that some way, would you? There are lots of ways to do that. Uh, it's an encouraging word to our kids here. It's volunteering here with our kids or with our junior high or high school students. We have people who lead Bible studies over at Missouri Hills, and I'm sure they wouldn't care if you came along and were a part of that. Could I just encourage you to not talk poorly about younger generations? Like we talk about how maybe the younger generation doesn't want anything to do with the church. That's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's our responsibility to help them create this wonder of who God is. And that will come when we put on display who God is. And so when we talk poorly about certain groups of kids because of whatever you may think about them, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. Which you begin to believe in and pour into kids. And so for you, if you're older, that might be me. Right? That might be you uh, pouring into me and encouraging me. Maybe it's a newly married couple or a new parent. What would it look like for you just to give yourself to someone younger than you? To pray for them and encourage them. I can say, I think pretty boldly, that if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not serving, if you don't see your life as one of service, then you're missing out on one of the main things God has asked you to do. That it was clear in this moment as he washed his disciples' feet that he wanted you to do that as well. All right, quickly. Uh, commit to community. This next year, would you just commit to not North County community, but this community? Would you commit to one another, to encourage one another, to pour into one another, to do life together? I really want this to be more than just a Sunday morning. Uh, we want to create some environments where you can come and you can grow. It's a place where we can be known and loved, not just like surface level known, like really known, and even being known that we would really be loved. And that you wouldn't just simply see this as kind of a convenience or something you do on Sundays, but we would commit to doing life with one another. See, the church is meant as a strategic plan by God for us to grow in our spiritual health. That's the point, for us to help one another become closer to God. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, Paul again says this, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There is this idea that God has equipped you to help others know who God is. It's not just me. It's not just my responsibility to help you grow. It is all of our responsibilities, if you were a follower of Jesus, to build up the body of Christ. 
that, that apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, those are giftings that you have. And so over the next couple of months, we're going to set aside some time. We're going to have some classes to ask the question, well, what, what is your gifting? What has God equipped you to do? And then figure out what it looks like to use that. Uh, we think it is vital to the health of the church that we all participate in that. That, that you understand that what God has given you and equipped you with may help the person down the row from you or in a different section or even me that you may pour into my life because God has equipped you to do that. And so we will be healthy and we will build one another up if we participate in the community. Uh, also, we have our supper clubs. We're kicking back up. This is an opportunity to build relationships. And this might be one of those where you were thinking, oh, I kind of had thought about hosting a supper club, but I'm afraid, you know, I don't know if I can do it. T- take a chance. Uh, you can host for six people or 60 people, whatever, whatever you want to do and everything in between. But just to say, I'd love to have some people come to my house. I'd love to build relationships with other people. See, the Christian life is about doing life together. It's about figuring out what it means to follow Jesus with one another. And I would encourage you as those come out to sign up, either host a supper club or attend one. And then ultimately, we gather, we're committed to one another to then scatter. We, we go into all different areas of our community, into our city, and we make a difference where we're at. It goes back to rest. Together, we, we find our rest in God, and then we work, and we work really hard, and we know that there are other people all over St. Louis doing the same thing that we are doing. Fourth one, grow in listening. Grow in your listening. Uh, it might seem kind of odd, uh, this one would be in there, but I think this is vital. And I think this is important because I've seen uh, where we are as a world over the last few months, few years. Uh, and I think it is important that we become really good listeners. And this is what I mean by that. Uh, James, um, a half-brother of Jesus, said this, James 1.19. He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Um, I think for many of us, um, we just aren't very good listeners. Um, I don't know if you have conversations with people where you're already coming up with what you're about to say and you're not really hearing the other person. But I think on a bigger picture, I think we're just not listening to people. Like, I don't think we're listening to the hurt and pains of others. I think we make judgments or we make assumptions about people that we really don't know. As we talk about the hotels and the families who live there and how it's going to change, it's been interesting to read on social media. And, and you could even be, uh, say, be quick to listen and slow to post. That might be a good one for us. Um, but people post about what's going on there. And there were a lot of assumptions about the people who would stay in a hotel. And I didn't comment a lot, but I just commented once and just said, um, do you know people who live there? I think it is important for us specifically, I think for all of us, but specifically if you're a follower of Jesus, that, that we get away, from, get away from politics and policies and just get back to people and understand that people experience pain and people don't live necessarily like we do. And so instead of just assuming things or coming up with judgments or making statements, maybe, maybe we would just listen to people. We would just hear the stories of 
of people. And, and maybe we don't know because we're not connected to and we don't have relationships with people who are different than us. And so what would it look like for you to do that? Um, some of our families have started participating in this thing called the Good Neighbor Initiative. Uh, it's where you spend time with a refugee family that has been relocated into our area, into St. Louis. And so maybe you have certain views of refugees, of immigrants, or wh- whatever it might be, uh, but, but what if you spent time with some? But what if you invited them into your home? And that's just one, one idea. You, you could go through a long list. What, what is it for you when you, you hear a certain group of people or you hear a certain idea that you come up with assumptions or feelings? And maybe there is even some anger that comes up. Just what if you committed to being quick to listen? You, you listened even more than you talked. You, you asked people, hey, would you tell me your story? Would you tell me what's going on in your life, and you just listen. You don't even have to speak. You just, you just listen, and I think something begins to happen in our hearts. I think we'll become less angry. I, I think we'll feel differently about people who aren't like us, that don't believe like us or live like us. We'll just listen. I think that is an uh, attribute as followers of Jesus that maybe we should be the best, that we should be really good listeners. And then let's take it down even really smaller. Let, let's just, with your, if you're married, with your spouse. Let, let's just listen better to our spouses, to your children. Just begin to listen to your kids. I, I, just real quickly, I heard a, a story one time about um, uh, President George H.W. Bush. And the, the story said that when he was out and his kids were little, he, it didn't matter who he was with that if one of his kids came up to talk to him, he would tell whoever he was talking to, hold on just a minute. And he would listen to his kids. He would just listen to them. And then he would go back and he would have conversations with some of the highest level people you could even imagine. And I think in that moment, he, he told his kids, you're more important than anything else. You, you matter. And so just as a parent, no matter how old your, your children are, just, just begin to listen. That when they come up, that we'd be, we'd be quick to listen. And, and maybe you have to say, and you teach your kids, and I've tried to teach my kids, excuse me, Daddy. If they do that, and I'm with you, I, I'll, I'll probably say, hold on just a second, and I'll address my children. Just listen to your kids. At work, listen to the people that you work with. Just, just be really good at listening. And I think that exposes something about you, that you care for people and that you love people. And then the fifth thing, and this one won't be long at all, uh, is that you would get healthy. That you would get healthy. Uh, In two weeks, January 13th, um, we're going to start a new series uh, called Life's Healing Choices. Uh, Maybe you've heard of this before, maybe not. Uh, There's a program called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, It started out of Saddleback Church in California, but it talks about the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups in our life. You all have something that fits in one of those categories. And there's some things that we can do in our life that would bring some healing, and it would bring health, relational health, spiritual health, uh, health to your body, Um, and we're going to take some time to look at that. And so January 13th, I really hope that you'll make it every effort to be here, that part of being committed to the community is learning together and growing. And so again, we'll, we'll look at those on a deeper level. But this season of your life, would you find rest And would you work really, really hard? Do your best at what God has called you to do. 
Would you follow the example of Jesus and serve as a lifestyle? Would you commit to our community? Would you commit to one another? Would you grow in your listening? And then would you just be willing to get healthy? Would we be healthy as individuals and healthy as a church?